Welcome to That's the the Spirit Christmas Spectacular. (laughs) I'm Steph. That's Robin. Hi. We're joined tonight by four esteemed (laughs) men. (laughs) I couldn't think of. You Any other there. qualifier? Wow, barely uh, an adjective. Oh God, I'm like, what? I'm so psyched that you're all here. I think that that lamp is catching on fire. Thanks, Zach. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to just go. turn there that off? There we go. There's yeah. a little button now. There we go. Okay, great. There we go. So, do we want to just go around and, guys, introduce yeah, yourselves? Yeah, just say, say your name and and, and how, how, what you think about ghosts. A, a, a tight 15 seconds about how you feel about ghosts. Andrew, go first. Andrew, this is Andrew. I'm Andrew. I don't believe in them. Great. Wonderful. Thanks for coming, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jordan, and um, I want to believe in them. Mm. I don't know that I do. Mm. Nice. We've been there. Uh, I'm Nat Towson, uh, actor and <laughs> voice actor available for hire. And, uh, and you I have your own podcast. Ghosts. Yeah, I have my own podcast. Um, Sorry, I'm also an actor. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, really, Andrew's really not an actor. Moment. Don't ask him that. I'm not. Uh, I think that ghosts are great at being <laughs> a plot device, uh, and I love them for that. But you don't think they're real? Oh, no, I do not think they're real. All right, all right, all right, next. Uh, my name is Zach Willis. <laughs> Everyone's being Zach, so formal. Yeah. I'm uh, Speak uh, up. N- uh, not, uh, currently non-union. Um, <laughs> Uh, seeking uh, unionship. Well, we're we're really excited to have you. Oh, like, I'm, about, with, uh, I'm with uh, Cunningham, Escott, Slot, and Doherty. Sorry, if, uh, if that's. I'd like to mention that I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, ghosts, ghosts, like what are ghosts? Okay, great. Let's start. Well, it's what a good time point. We're have. Anyway, so we got four people who don't believe in ghosts and two people who super <laughs> really like ghosts. Uh, what we've done for you tonight is gather the best and the brightest of Brooklyn, <laughs> and uh, we're here tonight in this small apartment, <laughs> shittily lit, Four out of five. reading the unabridged version of A Christmas Carol <laughs> by Charles Dickens. I was going to make up a middle name, but all right. By Charles Dickens. Um, you guys might be familiar with, you know... A Muppet Xmas Carol. A Muppet Xmas Carol. The version <laughs> that you read in the books, but this is the unabridged, fully realized Old vision English. of Charles Dickens's dream. This is what the newspapers didn't want him to publish. I don't know if the newspapers... Did the newspapers publish it? Who's uh, to say? Nobody was alive back then, yeah. so... No one no was record. alive back then. <laughs> yeah. Zach disagrees. Yeah, back I think they did publish him, and they used to write, get paid by the word, right? I think so. And well, I guess also, we'll never know. Americans didn't copyright <laughs> it, and he was very upset. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. But uh, the main bummer showing. is that this real version never actually hit the shelves. Mm-hmm. So, um, as a wonderful Christmas gift to all of you, here is... A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Act one, scene one. I have endeavored in this ghostly little story to raise the ghost of an idea. Which shall not put you out of humor with yourselves. Jordan, dude. With uh, with each other. (laughs) With the season. Or with me. (laughs) May it haunt your houses pleasantly, and no one wish to exercise it. Your faithful friend and servant... Charles Dickens, December 1843. Marley was dead, to begin with. There was no doubt about that. Old Marley was as dead as a doula Mind, I don't mean to say 
say that I know of my own knowledge what there is particularly dead about a Dula Han. It's that he's a headless rider who carries his own head under one arm and uses a human spine as a terrifying whip and is afraid of gold. <laughs> mm. Permit me to repeat, therefore, emphatically, Marley was as dead as, as a Dula Scrooge knew he was dead? Of course he did. Scrooge and he were partners for I do not know how many years. Scrooge was his sole executor. Administrator. Legatee. Assignee. Doppelganger. Poltergeist. Orb. And mourner. Though even Scrooge was too dreadfully cut up by his passing. Not to miss one single business day at any rate. Scrooge never painted out old Marley's name. There it stood, year afterward, above the warehouse door. Scrooge and Marley. The firm was known as Scrooge and Marley. Sometimes people new to the business called Scrooge Scrooge. Sometimes Marley. He answered to both. It was all the same to him. Since Marley was his doppelganger. It was quite literally the exact Mm -hmm. same thing as him. Yeah. But he was as tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. A squeezing. Wrenching. Grasping. Clutching. Coveted old sinner. Hard and sharp as flint. Solitary as an oyster. Same. (laughs) Yeah. He carried his own low temperature always about with him. He iced his office in the dog days and didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. No one associated with him, and he associated with no one. What did Scrooge care? It was the very thing he liked. Sedge his way along the crowded paths of life, warning all human sympathy to keep its distance. Well... Anyway, once upon a time, of all the good days of the year... On Christmas Eve... Old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. He counted gold, you see, gold coins, Mm -hmm. hoarded them, stolen from the mouth of the lucky fish outside of Captain Tony's bar. You know, to keep the Doolahan at bay. Yeah, it was cold, bleak, biting weather, foggy withal. The city clocks had only just gone three... But it was quite dark already. Scrooge's counting house was as gloomy and bleak as the weather outside. Indeed, there was little degree of difference. Scrooge kept a wary eye on his clerk, Bob Cratchit. Act one, scene two. Scrooge rises, crosses (laughs) the fireplace and pokes the fire, then returns to his desk. Cratchit shivers on his high stool, finally can't resist, gets down from the stool and approaches Scrooge's reading desk railing. <laughs> Scrooge's desk railing. Great. Well, Cratchit. I was wondering if we might have a lump of coal for the grate. It's getting a chilly where I am. A lump of coal, is it? Certainly not. I don't have money to burn, Cratchit. And if you think your working conditions here are not satisfactory, if it's too chilly for your delicate fingers, Cratchit, I suggest you call a priest, because it's probably a haunting. They love to make it chilly. It's one of the very first signs that there is a ghost nigh. Yes, sir, Mr. Scrooge. Just as you, just as you say, sir. Yes, sir. And see that you don't waste any more time, for which I am paying. No, sir, Mr. Scrooge. Cratchit returns to his stool, <laughs> lights a candle as unobtrusively as possible, and tries to warm his hands over it. Also does a spell to keep whatever ghost is haunting his office corner away from him. Scrooge clears his throat meaningfully. <clears throat> Cratchit galvanizes back to work. A bell tinkles above. Enter Fred, Scrooge's nephew, with a... Ah, yes, with a boutonniere (laughs) of of holly upon his coat, he enters with a rush. Merry Christmas, Mrs. Cratchit. Good afternoon, sir. (laughs) Merry Christmas, sir. And a Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. God save you. Humbug. Christmas a humbug? Uncle, you don't mean that, I'm sure. I do. Merry Christmas, 
What right have you to be merry? What reason have you to be merry? You're poor enough. Come then, what right have you to be dismal? What reason have you to be morose? You're rich enough. Ah, <laughs> Don't be cross, uncle. What else can I be when I live in such a world of fools as this? <laughs> merry Christmas? Out upon a merry Christmas. What's Christmas time to you but a bit... But a time for paying bills without money. A time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer. A time for balancing your books and a, having every item hit them through a ra- round dozen of months presented dead against you. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with a Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly in his heart. Jesus. And he should be buried as they bury the old nose Dragur, (laughs) the magical, strong, horrible zombie Viking. Once dead, a pair of iron scissors should be placed upon his chests and his toes sewn together, and needles driven through the soles of his feet. He should be spun about so his dead brain doesn't know which direction he's facing, and buried in a clay and dirt miniature cave with a corpse door, yes, a special door built through which the body is carried feet first with people surrounding it so the corpse can't see where it is going, the door should then be bricked up to prevent a return. He should. Uncle. <laughs> Nephew, keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it. But you don't keep it. Let me let me leave it alone then. Huh? How much good much good will it do you? Much good has it ever done you. There are many things from which I have derived good by the by which I have not profited. I dare say Christmas among the rest. But I am sure I have always thought of Christmas time when it comes around as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time in a long calendar of the year which men and women seem to open their shut hearts freely. The only time of year when Gryla sends her 13 horrible sons down to terrorize us, (laughs) steal our milk, and fuck our sheep. And therefore, Uncle, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it. Cratchit bursts into applause, but stops suddenly as Scrooge glares at him. Let me hear another sound from you, and you'll keep Christmas by losing your situation. You're quite a powerful speaker, Fred. I wonder if you don't... I wonder you don't go into Parliament. Don't be angry, Uncle. Come dine with us tomorrow. (laughs) I'll see it in... I'll see you in blazes first. You... Asking people to dine? I dare say you and your foolish wife, who is always wearing a scarf around her mouth, who knows why, (laughs) haven't enough for yourselves. (laughs) But why? Why? I know it's too much. She won't... I'm sorry. I I know. It's it's too much. She won't stop wearing the scarf around her mouth. (laughs) She does ask me if she's pretty every single day. I, I almost wonder. Ah. Be careful she isn't a kuchisake onna. I think I would know that. Why did you get married? Because I fell in love. Because you fell in love? That is probably the one thing in this world more ridiculous than a merry Christmas, besides wearing a scarf on your face every day. Good afternoon. But, Uncle, you never came to see me before I married. Why give it a reason for not coming now? 
I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Good. Why can't we be friends? Good afternoon. I'm sorry with all my heart to find you so resolute. We have never had any quarrel to which I have been a party. I have made this call in homage to Christmas, and I'll keep my Christmas humor to the last. So, our Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. Good <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mr. Cratchit. Merry Christmas to you, sir. Thank you, sir. The door closes behind Fred. Scrooge glares at Cratchit, at Cratchit who hunches over his work. Uh, there's my another fellow, my clerk, with fifteen shillings a week and a wife and family talking about Christmas. I'll retire to bed. Bells on door ring once again as two gentlemen enter. They remove their hats. They carry books and papers. They stand before Scrooge, ignored. Scrooge and Marley, I believe. <laughs> they look inquiringly at Cratchit, who points them in the direction of Scrooge. Have we the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years. He died seven years ago these, this very night. Oh, we've no doubt his li- liberality is, is, is well represented by his surviving partner. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute, who suffer greatly at this present time. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. 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 Hundreds of thousands in, in want of common comforts, and uh, every single one of them at risk for uh, Dullahan attacks. I'm, uh, are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons. And the asylums, are they still in operation? Oh, they are. I, I, I wish I could say that they were not. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigour then. Uh, both very busy, sir. Ah, I was afraid <laughs> from what you said at first that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. I'm glad to hear it. We choose this time because it is the time of all others when, <laughs> when one is keenly felt and abundance rejoice. What shall I put you down for? Nothing. Uh, you wish to be anonymous? I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, this is, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I help to support the establishments I've mentioned with my tax payment. They cost enough, and those who are badly off must go there. Many can't go there, and many would rather die. And if they would rather die, then they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Good afternoon, gentlemen. (laughs) The gentlemen exit. Scrooge and Cratchit labor in silence a moment, then appears a street urchin bursting in through the door. Scrooge bangs a heavy ruler on his desk. The urchin flees in terror. Scrooge consults his watch, gathers his heavy coat from the rack and moves to the door. Well, you've wasted enough of my time anticipating. Close up, close up. Uh, Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Mr. Scrooge. Scrooge extinguishes his candle. Cratchit assists him into his muffler and hands him his hat. (laughs) You'll want all day tomorrow, I suppose. If quite convenient, sir. (laughs) It is not. It is not convenient and it's not fair. If I were to stop half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used. I'll be bound. And yet, 
You don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for not work. It's only once a year, sir. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th day of December. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier next morning. Oh, yes, indeed I shall, sir. Yes, sir, Mr. Scrooge. Mary, I mean, good night, Mr. Scrooge. Cratchit waits until he hears the door. And Merry Christmas. Act one, scene three. Scrooge took his melancholy dinner in his usually melancholy tavern, Captain Tony's Saloon. <laughs> which he loved so well, mainly due to the massive tree growing inside mm-hmm. of that, which would burn any man who oh, touched yeah. it. After entertaining himself with his bank book for the rest of the evening, went home to bed. He lived in a gloomy, lonely suite of dark rooms, and rem- uh, dark of rooms dark and remote at the end of a maze, a dark, remote catacombs. The catacombs this night was so dark that even Scrooge, who knew its every stone, had to grope his way. Fog and frost hung thick about the black old gateway of the tombs. Now it is a fact that there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on Scrooge's tomb. Except that it was brass and very large. Scrooge had seen it every night and morning since he lived there. Well then, let anyone explain to me, if he can, how it happened that this night Scrooge saw... Not the brass knocker, but Jacob <gasps> Marley's face. Which looks exactly like Scrooge's face since Marley is Scrooge's mm-hmm. doppelganger, as we have established. Uh, what? What? What's that? Uh, 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 God. <laughs> <laughs> but it was there. I saw it. Jacob Marley's face slash my own face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagination. Pooh, pooh, just imagination. Scrooge closed his tomb and locked himself in. Double locked himself in with bones. Which was not his custom. Thus secured against surprise, he took off his cravat, his coat, put on his dressing gown and his nightcap, and sat down before the fire to take his gruel. Yum. Beastly cold. <laughs> the bell over the mantel catches his eye. He stared, He starts at it. He is chains rattling and dragging. Oh, what's that? <laughs> he listens. <laughs> Only silence. Ah, humbug. It's humbug still. I won't believe it. Ebenezer Scrooge! Ah. Ebenezer Scrooge! Ah, yeah. Chains on metal. Ghost of Marley enters, wound about by a great chain in which he hangs ledgers, cash boxes, and padlocks. He wears a cloth around his head, bound under his chin like a bandage for a toothache. The ghost advances. Scrooge half rises, gasps, <gasps> stares. <laughs> How now? What do you want of me? Much. Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, who are you? Ask me who I was. <laughs> who, who were you then? You're a... You're particular for a ghost, or, or whatever you are. In life, <laughs> I was your partner. All right. Drink a man. <laughs> that explains why you look just like me. Can, can you can you sit down? I can. Do it then. You don't believe in me. I don't. What? Evidence would you have of my reality beyond that of your own senses? Our own senses? I am you. Why do you (laughs) doubt our senses? (laughs) Because a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheat. You may be an undigested bit of beef, 
a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a, a fragment of an underdone potato. There's more of gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. You see this toothpick? I do. You're not looking at it. But I see it notwithstanding. Because you are looking at it and my eyes are your eyes. And we are the same entity in two forms. We are splinter fragments of the self oneself. Well, I have but to swallow this and for the rest of my days, persecuted by a legion of goblins, all of my own creation. Humbug! Humbug, I tell you, humbug! Better goblins than a legion of wendigos. Harley <laughs> rises, shaking chains and taking off the bandage under around his head so that his lower jaw drops to his chest. Scrooge cowers, much shaken, on his knees. <laughs> Mercy! Dreadful apparition, why do you trouble me? Do you believe in me or not? I do, I do, I must. But why do spirits walk the earth and why do they come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to watch... To wander the world, it is doomed to wander through the world and witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on earth, and turned to happiness. Oh, please, please, oh, please, don't do that. You are fettered. Tell me why. I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link, yard by yard. I did of my own free will. Is its pattern strange to you? Ledgers, cash boxes, deeds, mortgages. Or would you know the weight and length of the chain you wear yourself? It was full and heavy and long as the seven Christmas Eves ago. You have labored on it since. Jacob, old Jacob Barley, tell me more. Speak comfort to me, Jacob, my doppelganger. I have none to give. It comes from other regions, Ebenezer Scrooge. I cannot say. I cannot rest. I cannot linger any longer. My spirit never walked beyond our counting house in life. On a weary journey like before me. You must have been very slow about it, Jacob. <laughs> slow? Seven years dead and traveling all this time. The whole time. No rest, no peace, only remorse. Much like my traveling hitchhiker ghost friend, Resurrection Mary, <laughs> I learned it all from her. <laughs> <laughs> please, please don't do that, Jacob. You... You were always a man of good business, Jacob. Business? Mankind was my business. Charity, mercy, and benevolence were my business. Why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down? Business. In all life I failed my business. I drove it to bankruptcy. Jacob, Jacob, please. Hear me, my time is nearly gone. I will, I, I will, Jacob. Don't be hard on me. I am here tonight to warn you that you have yet a chance and hope of escaping our fate. 
a chance and hope of procuring, of my procuring Ebenezer. You were always a good friend to me, and also one half of the whole that makes, that is me. Thank you. <laughs> you will be haunted by three spirits. Is that the chance of hope you mentioned, Jacob? It is. <laughs> I, I think I, I, I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first ghost tomorrow when the bell tolls. One. Uh, couldn't I take them all at once and have it over, Jacob? Expect the second one. Then next night, and at the same hour, the third one on the next night, when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate. Look to see me no more, and look that for your own sake you remember what has passed between us, or should I say, yourself. The apparition walked backward from him, and at every step it took a hole... It, at every step it took a hole opened from the roof of the tomb so that when the specter reached it, it was wide open. It beckoned Scrooge to approach, which he did. When they were within two paces of each other, Marley's ghost held up its hand, warning him to come no nearer. Scrooge stopped. Not so much in obedience as in surprise and fear. For on the raising hand, he became sensible of confused noises in the air. Incoherent sounds of lamentation and regret. Wailings inexpressibly sorrowful and self-accusatory. The unmistakable wails of over a thousand banshees. Ooh, the specter, after listening for a moment, joined <clears throat> in the mournful dirge. And floated out upon the bleak dark night. The air was filled with phantoms wandering hither and thither in restless haste and moaning as they went. Every one of the more chained like Marley's ghosts. None were free. The misery with them all was clearly that they sought to interfere for good in human matters and had lost the power forever. Whether these creatures faded into mist or mist enshrouded them, he could not tell. But they and their spirit voices faded together and the night became as it had been when he walked home. Scrooge closed <laughs> the window and examined the door by which the ghost had entered. The tomb was double locked as he had locked it with his own hands and the bones were undisturbed. He tried to say humbug but stopped at the first syllable. And being from the emotion he had undergone, or the fatigues of the day, or this glimpse of the invisible world, or the dull conversation of his doppelganger, or the lateness of the hour, much in need of repose, went straight to bed without undressing and fell asleep upon the instant. <sighs> At one scene four. The first of the ghosts. A large steeple clock strikes quite loudly. One. Scrooge awakens Boom. with a start. Thank you. What? what? That cannot be. It was... After two, when I went to bed, the, the clock is wrong. An icicle must have gotten into the works. One? Why, it is impossible. I have slept through the whole day and far into another night. It couldn't be dark at one in the afternoon. There is a sudden burst of light in the room. Scrooge emits a little cry of yeah. fear and dives into the bed, pulling the bed curtains. Oh. The ghosts of Christmas past floats into the tomb wearing nothing at all and glowing like a bright, beautiful light. <laughs> the spirit looked to be in the shape of a boy, a radiant boy. <laughs> what? How beautiful and luminescent. Are, are you the spirit, sir, whose coming was foretold to me, sir? <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, who or what are you? I'm the radiant boy of Christmas past. Long past? No, your past. Oh, oh, you're so beautiful and bright, boy. <laughs> May I inquire what it is you wish of me? Well, only your welfare, and also to be my friend. For I'm a lonesome, radiant boy. 
who was killed by his mother for being a bastard child. No, no. I was never baptized. Oh, my, my welfare. Well, I'm much obliged to you, but don't you think that... But don't I think a good night's sleep unhaunted by ghosts would serve your welfare better? <laughs> no. Definitely no. Oh. You don't, eh? No, no, no. Come, take eat. Rise and glide with me. I'm mortal and liable to fall. <laughs> Bear but a touch of my hand there, and you shall be upheld by more than this. Go on, take my golden hand. I'm a radiant boy. Don't be shy. <laughs> As the words were spoken, they passed through the walls of the catacombs and stood upon an open country road with fields on either hand. The city entirely vanished. Not a vestige of it was to be seen. <clears throat> the darkness and the mist had vanished with it, for it was a clear, cold winter day with snow on the ground. Lights come up on a boy sitting alone on a bench stool reading. Why, I know this place. I do. I, I was a boy here. Not a, not a radiant boy, hmm. but... I was bred in this place. You remember it then? <laughs> Your school days? <laughs> remember it? Why, like it was yesterday. Strange to have forgotten it for so many years. The school not quite deserted. A solitary boy neglected by his friends. <laughs> That's good. Solitary boy. That can be your fun name now. Don't, don't call me solitary boy, please. Solitary boy. <laughs> the spirit gazed upon him mildly. Its gentle, radiant touch, though it had been light and instantaneous, appeared still present to the old man's sense of feeling. Ooh. He was conscious of a thousand odors floating in the air, each one connected with a thousand thoughts and hopes and joys and cares long, long <clears throat> forgotten. These are but shadows of things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. <clears throat> During this, young Scrooge looks up from his reading on first hearing the voices, rises as they grow louder and resumes seat as they fade. He is quite a figure of desolation and loneliness. Poor boy. Poor lonely boy, neglected by his friends, is left there still. That was me. No, not lonely boy, solitary boy. It's much better. No! (laughs) Ah, to be a school lad... I wish I had been given the chance, not immediately killed by my own mother. Damned for attorney yet as a radiant harbinger of misfortune. Oh. Your lip is trembling. What's that on your cheek? Oh, it's nothing. <laughs> oh, I wish... Ah, it's too late now. What's the matter? Nothing, nothing. There was a lone boy... Solitary? S- solitary boy singing mm. at my door last night. I, I should like to have given him something, that's all. Do you remember what else happened on that particular Christmas so long ago? Do you remember your sister, Little Fan? Little Fan! Yes, yes, I had forgotten that too, <laughs> but I remember now so long, so long ago. A small girl appears behind the seated figure, pauses an instant, and rushes to him, throwing her arms around his neck. <laughs> Evan! Oh, Ebenezer! Ebenezer! Come! Come quickly, dear brother! I've come to bring you home! What, Fan! Oh, Fan! Fan, what are you doing here at school? What did you say about home? Oh, yes, Eben. Father is much kinder than he used to be. He has sent me in the death coach to bring you. Oh, do hurry! The endless drive is waiting. The horses are so fun. All of them have deep eye sockets and fangs. They're pokers, you know. The very finest in the land. Home for Christmas? I thought Father had forgotten me here at school. I thought everyone had forgotten. No, Eben. He hasn't forgotten. Oh, Eben. 
It will be so wonderful having you home from school. We'll be together all the Christmas long and have the merriest time in the world. So we shall, Fan. So we shall. <laughs> you know, you're quite a woman, little Fan. <laughs> what? Gross. Merry Gross. Christmas, Ebenezer. Uh, I, oh, <laughs> a delicate girl. But she had a large heart. So she had spirits. So she had. She grew up to be a woman and had, uh, I think, children. One child. True. Your nephew, Fred. <laughs> yes. Let us see another Christmas. There was a certain asylum owned by a certain old gentleman. Although they had but that moment left the school behind them, they were now in the busy thoroughfares of a city where shadowy passengers passed and repassed. Where shadowy carts and coaches battled for the way and all the strife and tumult of a real city. It was made pl- plain enough by the dressing of the shops that here too was Christmas time again. But it was evening and the streetlights were lighted up. Do you know this asylum? No, it. I was apprenticed here. Inside the brightly lit asylum sits old Fezziwig on a high stool working, glasses on the end of his nose. He has a pleasant demeanor overall. He works at his laboratory table with various primitive medical instruments, humming pleasantly to himself. Why, that's old Fezziwig, my old employer. Bless his heart. <laughs> it's old Fezziwig alive again. After all these years. Fezziwig puts down his pen and looks at his pocket watch. Goodness gracious me! <laughs> Seven o'clock already! Yo ho there! In come two strapping young lads, Eben, a bright-eyed, eager, handsome boy, in vest, sleeves turned back, lab coat on a little, a little bit bloody, as though he had been working on a patient, and Dick, who floated in it after Eben, knocking things over intentionally and making heavy objects fly to the ceiling and stick there. Yes, sir, Mr. Fezziwig. <laughs> yes, sir. Yo, oh, my boys. No more work this night. Christmas. Christmas even, Ebenezer. Christmas even, Dick. Let's have the shutters up before man can say Jack Robinson. <laughs> we were the best of friends, Dick Wilkins and I. You wouldn't have believed how we went at it. We charged into the street with the shutters. <coughs> One, two, three, had them up in their laces. Four, five, six, barred them and pinned them. Seven, eight, nine, came back before you could have got to twelve, panting like racehorses. Dick was faster and stronger than me, of course, seeing as he was a poltergeist that lived in the asylum. No one can ever see what happens in the asylum at night. That was one of the main rules. Ha <laughs> on my soul, it was a tie. Now, clear away, my lads, and let's have a lot of room here. Elio, Dick, cheer up, Ebenezer. You take this off, Ebenezer, or take this. Whoa there. What now? It's all about the same. All the heavy things are on my part of the floor. Oh, very well. I'll take your half, no matter. Oh, no, you don't. I don't trust you, I don't. Always breaking everything we have and laughing about it. Come on, let's be at them. Uh, Last one finished pays a shilling. (laughs) You're on. Uh, Away I go, faster than you, faster than you. You're not cleaning up. You're just throwing forks into the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Eben returns to the room with two brooms. He tosses Dick a broom, but Dick just makes it splinter in a thousand pieces immediately. Eben starts sweeping furiously, 
Dick picks up an iron poker and the sweeping turns into a fencing match. They parry, they thrust, and whack smartly together in fierce combat. Oh, you boys! Here now, stop it! Stop it this instant! You haven't even gotten your coats on. Now look smart, you rascals. Oh, yes, ma'am. Oh, the patients, excuse me, guests are here. Quickly now, quickly, girls, they're here. A parade of asylum patients enter the hall. You boys, get into your coats. Oh, don't think the ladies look nice, boys. Yes, they do. Out of the nightgowns and straitjackets. Mm. Oh, oh, my friends, a merry Christmas to one and all. And now to the dancing. Strike up a merry tune, bucko. The music begins and lively dancing by Eben while everyone else just watches him. Dick is writing 666 on the walls in punch. The dance is followed by a gentle-sounding Christmas carols. During the whole of this time, Scrooge had acted like a man out of his wits. His heart and soul were in the scene, and with his former self. He corroborated everything, remembered everything, enjoyed everything, and underwent the strangest agitation. It was not until now when the bright faces of his, of his former self and Dick and all those poor asylum patients were turned from them that he remembered the radiant boy and became conscious that it was looking full upon him. You remember that Christmas, don't you, Ebenezer? Yes, yes, that's just as it was. I remember it all, just as it was. It's all gone, like a shadow. They're all gone. Yeah, return to the past, their proper place. A small matter to make these special folks so full of gratitude. Small? Why is it not? Old Fezziwig has <laughs> spent but a few pounds of your mortal money, three or four perhaps. Is that so much? It isn't that spirit, not the amount. It's the happiness he gave us. It's quite as great as if it cost a fortune. Hey. Well, what's the matter? Nothing in particular. It's something, I think. You can tell me. We're friends, remember? All I've ever wanted is another boy to be my friend. A boyfriend. No, no, no. I should like to be able to say to a, wo- a word to my clerk just now, that's all. My time grows short. Quickly. We must see one more Christmas of the past. Gain Scrooge saw himself. He was older now, a man in the prime of life. His face had not the harsh and rigid lines of later years. But it had begun to wear the signs of care and avarice. There was an eager, greedy, restless motion in the eye which showed the passion that had taken root and where the shadow of the growing tree would fall. (coughs) He was not alone, but by the sight of a fair young girl in a mourning dress. In whose eyes there were tears which sparkled in the light which shone out of the radiant boy of Christmas past. No spirit, I cannot look. I cannot bear it. It's... Dear lovely Annabelle, my porcelain doll, we were betrothed long ago. Annabelle, my doll, my porcelain doll, what is it? What have I done? Oh, Ebenezer, please. I demand to know what is wrong. My girlhood played on. That is what is wrong. What are you talking about, Annabelle, puppet? What is all this nonsense? You demand to know what nonsense? Very well, I... I spoke too sharply. I'm, I'm sorry. Now, will you please just... Please just... No. Wait, Ebenezer. <laughs> I've tried to find the words to say this for a long time now. You've changed. You've become a hard and, forgive me, a little cruel. A, a little cruel? <clears throat> Annabelle, what? No. Let me finish, Ebenezer. It's been happening for several months now. I feel, I feel like you don't want me or need me as you used to. What? What are you saying? It's true, Ebenezer. 
Another idol has taken my place. What idol? <coughs> a golden one. Me? No, she, she means... Yeah, yeah. You'll see. Oh, Annabelle, precious toy. This is <laughs> the sheerest nonsense. Just because I work hard to try to get ahead in the world to make a good life for us, for you, well, perhaps I... I have neglected you since I took the new position, but a bank manager has responsibilities, and, well, you can't be too careful of a good situation like that. You fear the world too much. All your other hopes have merged into the hope of getting ahead, of of acquiring money and power. What then? Even if I have grown so much wiser, what then? I am not changed towards you, am I? Our promise is an old one made when we were both poor and content to be so. <coughs> we promised to share whatever life brought us together, to work together, but now you are changed. When it was made, you were another man. Annabel, you are being childish, like the children who would play with you if you were a beautiful, perfect doll. <laughs> You're a creepy doll. You cannot live in a romantic dream. I've always thought of love truly shared, was the loveliest of romantic dreams. Oh, you have changed, Ebenezer. I was a solitary boy. I've grown up. You must too. You see, even you say you've changed. Now we both know. I release you. Wait. 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 I I release you. (laughs) With all my love. The past is confusing. It's great. With all my love for the man you used to be. Goodbye, Ebenezer. Spirit, show me no more. They're starting to sort of blend into one person. Sure, sure. Why do you delight to torture me? Spare me, I pray you. I told you these were shadows of things that have been. That they're not what they are. Don't blame me. Leave me. Take me back. Haunt me no longer. Bye. And thank you for agreeing to be my friend. (laughs) I didn't agree to. Scrooge is conscious of being exhausted and overcome by an irresistible drowsiness and further of being in his own room. He has barely enough time to reel into his chair before he sinks into a heavy sleep. Scene 8. When the bell struck one and no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of trembling. Five minutes. Ten minutes. <laughs> a quarter of an hour went by. Yet nothing came. As he sat in his chair, he noticed from the next room a blaze of light glowing, more alarming than a dozen radiant boys. <laughs> <laughs> the clock strikes one. A green beam gradually grows brighter in the room. Scrooge sees it and rises, looking into the beam. Hello, spirit. Are you the second spirit? This strange light, it... Cannot be of this world, spirit. Yes, Ebenezer Scrooge. I am Santa, the ghost of Christmas present. <laughs> ha, look upon me. Scrooge sees a large, jolly being in a deep green robe, trimmed with white fur, with a long, flowing hair and full beard. A magnificent holly wreath set in icicles rests on its head, and then on top of that, an awesome tricornered hat. <laughs> he is surrounded by the undead, who are chilling out and feeding their magical steeds, carrots and such. It's obvious they just finished the wild hunt, and that it was a huge success. You have never seen the likes of me before? Never. Santa, is it really you? Have never walked forth with the younger members of my family. I don't think I have. Have you 
Many, have you had many brothers, Spirit? Just one, my brother Krampus. He's my best friend. A <laughs> tremendous family to provide for. Well, Ebenezer Scrooge, <laughs> since you have known my brother but a little, approach! Know me better. Know my time and age, my sights and sounds. Spirit, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night on compulsion. I learned a lesson that is working now. Tonight, if you have aught to teach me, let me profit by it. Touch my robe! And instantly, they found themselves Whoa. on the city streets of Christmas morning, where the people made a rough but brisk kind of music in the scraping the snow from the pavement in front of their dwellings. There was nothing very cheerful in the climate. Or in the town. And yet there was an air of cheerfulness abound, that the, or abroad, I guess, mm. that the clearest summer air and brightest summer sun might have endeavored to diffuse in vain. The steeples called good people all to church and chapel, and away they came, flocking through the streets in their best clothes. The sight of these poor revelers appeared to interest the spirit very much, for he stood with Scrooge beside in a baker's doorway, and taking off the covers of their bearer's past, sprinkled nectar on their dinners from his torch, and they'd ate all of their cookies and treats, for he loved them so. Oh, and so it was. God loved it, so it was. Why, everyone seems so happy and full of good humor. Indeed, it's Christmas, the happiest and best humored time of the year. Is that so strange to you? Why, take me, for example. I just completed my yearly wild hunt through the skies with my band of undead beasties at my side to cast the evilest winter ghost back to hell. Rejoice! Why, I believe I know this place. It, it's Bob Cratchit's. My clerk, it's Bob Cratchit's house. I, I am. I was just waiting for someone to say Act 1, C9. Oh, C9, C9. <laughs> Come along, Belinda. Your father will be back soon with Tiny Tim. We want everything to look its best. Oh, yes. <laughs> Tiny Tim was so excited when they left for church. Oh, Pecoy, you can bring the centerpiece in now. Do be careful. Pecoy, a half-seal boy. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, a half-seal, half-boy creature enters, nudging the centerpiece across the floor with his nose Great. and flippering the rest of the way in. Oh, oh dear, a tear in the tablecloth. Well, it can't be helped. <laughs> Darling Bukoy, my, my seal boy, oh, where's the centerpiece? Here is the centerpiece. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, here we are. That's fine, Bukoy. Now we'll, we'll place it right here. I think that will do quite nicely. Now... Bacour, uh, Belinda, run out to the kitchen for me and see if the potatoes are getting done. And mind you, don't burn your fingers on the lid. Mother, mother, we can smell the goose cooking clear outside. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> mother. Okay. The goose. Okay. Clear down front of the bake shop. We just knew it was ours. We could tell because it was the same goose father chopped the neck off of last year and continued to live for eight whole months without a brain. We fed it through a straw, and it had no head, but we couldn't put it out of its misery because father told us it must have a soul now. <laughs> it's the best goose in all London. The best goose in all the world. And look, look at the table. It's beautiful. Hey's father coming. Father's coming. Here we are, mother. My, what a romp you two have had. Yes, all the way from the church. Oh, I wish you could have been there. Uh, the services were beautiful, and Tiny Sim sang louder than anyone. His skull is just so <laughs> resonant. Uh, at least that's what the choir man says. 
Dinner will be here directly. He's practically screaming out of his skull. Come out to the kitchen, Tiny Tim. We want to show you the goose. It's the abomination. One we killed last year and it lived for eight more months. <laughs> I remember who Tiny Tim did they not cast Tiny Tim? Is he out there? I don't see him. I don't think he is. I don't think Dad, so. Oh. oh, yes, let's go see. How, how did little Tim behave in church? Uh, as good as gold and better. Uh, somehow he gets thoughtful sitting by himself so much and thinks the strangest things you ever heard. He told me coming home that he hoped that people saw him in church because he was screaming so loudly out of his skull. <laughs> it, it might be pleasant for them to remember upon Christmas Day, which made lame beggars walk and blind men see, and how you make so much sound come out of your skull if you just scream and scream. I do believe he's growing more and more strong and hearty. Oh, Father, <laughs> such a goose. The goose is as big as me it is. Oh, Tiny Tim, it sure it is indeed. So we fed it cornmeal through a straw for eight months, directly into the neck hole. Oh, well, a Merry Christmas to us, my dears. God bless us. Spirit, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. Oh, I see a vacant chair and a skull without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. Oh, no, oh, no, kind spirit. Say he will be spared. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, none other of my race will find him here. What then? If he be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. <laughs> will you decide what men shall live, what men shall die? It may be that in sight of heaven, you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. Attend me closely now, Ebenezer Scrooge. Let me light another place for you to see oh, this Christmas. By this time it was getting dark and snowing pretty heavily. And as Scrooge and the spirit went along the streets, the brightness of the roaring fires in the kitchens, parlors, all sorts of rooms was wonderful. It was a great surprise to Scrooge while listening to the moaning of the wind and thinking what a solemn thing it was to move on through the lonely darkness over an unknown abyss whose depths were secrets as profound as death. It was a great surprise to Scrooge while thus engaged. To hear a hearty laugh. It was a much greater surprise to Scrooge to recognize it as his own nephews and to find himself in a bright, dry, gleaming room with the same spirit standing smiling by his side. And looking at the same nephew with approving affability. Mm. Oh, come along now, Fred. I can't believe it. Oh, but he did. He said, he, he said Christmas was a humbug. As I live, he did. He believed it, too. He's a comical old fellow. That's the truth. And not so pleasant as he might be. Here now, enough of this unpleasantness. Let us have some games. Come along, everyone. Fred, will you start us off? Also, Fred, am I pretty? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. As I, <laughs> am I pretty? Yeah, as I usually say, uh, have a piece of fruit, dear. <laughs> Very well, my dear. How about a game? Uh, yes, yes and no? Oh, yes, here now, Fred. Uh, you go first. Uh, all right, everyone. Uh, get set now. Everyone ready? Uh, go, uh, uh, Fred, uh, we're all set. Go. Uh, is it a mineral? No. A uh, vegetable? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Didn't we talk over you? Animal? Am I pretty? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Fred's wife removes her scarf and to reveal a gigantic <laughs> slit across her mouth, running ear to ear. Everyone is kind of like, oh, not again. Uh, fierce animal. Every fucking day. <laughs> uh, mm, uh, fierce animal. Yes. A fierce animal. 
Bottom line. <laughs> if I was fighting you, uh, would a good strategy be to shove my entire arm down its throat so as to choke it? Uh, I may lose the arm, but it could save my life. No. Uh, in the country? No. Uh, no, uh, not, not, not in the country. A fierce animal in London? Oh, come on, Fred. There are no fierce animals in London. Also, do you think I'm pretty now? Oh, yeah, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Fred's wife takes a knife out of the folds of her dress and starts slashing at Fred's face. He dodges her, grabs hold of her swinging arm, calms her, and encourages her to place the knife back in the folds of her dress. Uh, is it dangerous? Fred, oi. Fred, is it dangerous? <laughs> is it dangerous? Uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> Fierce but not dangerous. What on earth is it? Is it a dog? A, a big dog like a, a Saint Bernard? No. We ask you again. It is a ferocious mountain lion, and will it die if I choke it? No. Fierce but not huge. A bear? Is it a bear? If it's a bear, do I run away or do I stand my ground and yell at it? Can I climb a tree? No. Walks the streets freely, does it? Yes. Is it? Human animal. Well, I suppose you could say, yeah. Oh, I think I found it, Fred. I think I know. <laughs> I, I do, too. Oh, do ask a topper. Hurry, or we shall all die of suspense. Am I pretty? <laughs> Is it a mountain lion? Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> excellent game. <laughs> Am I pretty? Fred, I don't want to alarm you, but I believe your wife is a Kuchisaki owner. Kuchisaki. What I meant to say, beg pardon, is I believe your wife is a Kuchisaki owner. What? Anyway, uh, here's a bit of the spirit of the occasion ready at hand, so I give you uh, Uncle Scrooge. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man. He wouldn't take it from me, but may he have it nonetheless. Uncle Scrooge. Uncle Scrooge. Uncle Scrooge. My time grows short, Ebenezer Scrooge. Our spirits' lives so short, then. <laughs> My life upon this globe is brief. It ends tonight. I go back home and select one of my elf slaves to take over after me. <laughs> if I don't get there in time, my brother Krampus will take over the wild hunt. He's been dying to forever, but I don't think he's ready yet. Tonight? Tonight at midnight. Hark, the time grows draws near. As the spirit moves back, a small, thin hand appears from behind his robe and clutches his belt. A quarter past... No, three quarters past... Eleven... Uh, spirit? Yes, Ebenezer Scrooge. Spirit, forgive me if I am not justified in what I ask, but I see something strange and not belong to your, belonging to yourself. Is it a... Is it a claw? Oh, it might well be a claw for the flesh there is upon it. Look here, lest you ever forget. Look, man! Thirteen children, all boys, dirty, wretched, ragged, come from beyond his robe and come to him, frightened. <coughs> Kneeling down at his feet, they cling upon the outside of his garment. A spirit, are they yours? They are gorillas. They are you, lads. I keep them inside my giant cloak so they don't terrorize my neighborhood so much, but sometimes they get away. <laughs> uh, beware them! All their degree, Ebenezer Scrooge. But most of all, beware this boy, for on his brow I see that written, which is doom, because this one, he, he is the sheep fucker. Jesus. What? His name is Sheepcoat Claude! His name is Sheepcoat Claude, and he has two peg legs. Thank God, because it slows him down as he goes about his daily business of sheep fucking. I 
wish I was making this up, but it's real, <laughs> and I don't know what to do about it. Beware this one the most by far. The rest of them are fine. They just want to. Oh, spirit, I <laughs> promise you the lessons you have taught, the things you have shown me shall not be forgotten. Uh, <laughs> it were well for you, Ebenezer Scrooge, that they not be forgotten, especially this last thing I said about the sheep fucker. Mark well the hurt of need and the scars of poverty, the woe of these <laughs> things that man might change, but does not. Have they no refuge, no resources? Are there no prisons? Are there no more crossing? <laughs> <laughs> Those who are badly off must go go there. Those who would rather die, let them. And the priest has said, Let's pop your name. The clock strikes twelve. Mercy, spirit, please, I beg you no more. I will do as you have taught. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Act two, scene one. The last of the spirits. The clock begins striking twelve. Ten, eleven. Twelve? Music is heard as the black hooded figure glides into the room. The hood is removed to reveal a massive anthropomorphic goat demon with cloven feet, clawed hands, fangs, (coughs) giant horns, and a long, crazy tongue. He carries a bundle of birch sticks with him and a lot of cool chains. Really cool chains. (laughs) He has a very cool vibe. (laughs) Is overall an awesome demon. I am in the presence of Krampus yet to come. You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not yet happened but will happen. Is that so, spirit? The ghost turns its goat head as though looking at him. Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I have seen, but I know your purpose is to do me good. I am prepared to bear your company. Will you not... Speak to me. The ghost stands silent. Lead on. Lead on. The night is waning fast. Time is precious. Krampus moved away as it had come towards him. Scrooge followed in the shadow of its dress, which bore upon him, he thought, and carried him away. They scarcely seemed to enter the city, for the city rather seemed to spring up about them and encompass them of its own act. Krampus stopped beside one little knot of businessmen. Observing that the clawed hand was pointed to them, Scrooge advanced to listen to them talk. No, I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. I thought he'd never die. What was the matter with him? Heaven knows. Or the devil, perhaps. (laughs) They left the busy scene and went into an obscure part of the town. The whole quarter reeked with crime, with filth and misery. Oh, Joe! Hi, old Joe! Oh, who is it? What you want? It's me, ducks. I got business. Oh, come in, come in. Always ready for business, you know. Fine business is bound to be this time of night. Waking a man out of his peaceful sleep. All right, all right. Come on, come on. Sit ye here and let's have a look now. Let's have a look and see what can't wait for the light of proper day. Hi, Jack. Hello. Are you there? Psst. Listen. What's that? Wait here a moment. What's the row here now? Who is it? What you want? They love me. I've got a choice item for you, I am. Wait till you see. Oh, 
another one. <laughs> what devil's devil's works afoot this night now? Oh, come in then, come in then. Come in and let's have a look. It's a fine and rod. It's midnight to take an honest man out of his bed. The laundress enters and sees the chairwoman. They exchange suspicious looks and recoil from each other, clutching their respective bundles. Open that bundle, old Joe! Let me know the value of it! Speak out plain! I ain't afraid to be the first! We know pretty well we was helping ourselves before we met here! Open the bundle, Joe! Go on! Let's see. Watch for cufflinks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pencil case, <laughs> gold, Ooh. Egyptian mummy shand, make it one pound, two and three. three. <laughs> oh, I didn't know I was going to say that. You know I know things, Joe. You know what? Just for that, it's one pound, two and four. Oh, all right, that's one me, Joe. You know me, I was good with it all. Laundress shoves her bundle forward. Aha! Six sheets, two shirts, fair condition, towels, two teaspoons, sugar tongs, three boots, the shroud of Turin, <laughs> two pounds even. I always give too much to the ladies. It's a weakness of mine. That's the way I ruin myself. His blanket. Who else do you think? Oh, I hope he didn't die of nothing catching, eh? Don't be afraid of that. I ain't so fond of his company that I'd loiter about him for such things if he did. Joe is looking at his shirt. Oh, you won't find a hole in it. It's the best he had, and a fine one, too. They'd have wasted it if it hadn't been for me. Somebody was fool enough to bury him in it, but I took it off him again. If Gallagher ain't good enough for such a purpose, it ain't good enough for anything. <laughs> Took it off the body, did you? I did, I did! Oh, crikey. <laughs> this is the end of it. He frightened everyone away from him when he was alive. To profit us when he was dead. <laughs> 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 It's ironic. Scene three. Krampus, may we leave it? The case of this unhappy man might be my own. My, my, my life tends that way now. Merciful heaven, what is this? The ghost conducted him through <clears throat> several streets, familiar to his feet. And as they went along, Scrooge looked here and there to find himself, but nowhere was he to be seen. They entered poor Bob Cratchit's house. The dwelling he'd visited before. And found the mother and the children seated round the fire. Krampus, where <clears throat> is the little lad with the extremely resonant skull? <laughs> Tiny Tim, where is Tim? <clears throat> It must be near your father's time to return home. Past it, rather. But I think he was walking a little slower than he used to the last few evenings, Mother. I've known him to walk with... Uh, I've known him to walk with Tiny Tim upon his shoulders very fast indeed. And so would I often. Father could oh. never do that with me. <laughs> oh. Since I'm a seal boy, 
Oh, God. There's, there's your father at the door. Well, my dears. My, how chilled you are, Robert. Come in here by the hearth and warm. Your tea's ready, father. That will warm you. My dear, I wish you could have gone. I would have done your heart good to see how green a place it is. Right in the corner of the old wall, right by the yew, uh, beneath the yew tree. Uh, but you'll see it often. I promise that I would walk there on a Sunday night, my little child. Robert, my dear Robert. Don't mind it, Father. Don't be grieved. I'm all right now. In, in my grief, I had thought earlier. I, I wished I were a doll, a, a simple emotionless doll, uh, dressed in a tiny sailor outfit, uh, perhaps with a small stuffed bear companion. Robert the doll. Yes, Robert the doll. Uh, but not even, be, not even being made of straw and waxed fabric that w- would rid me of my grief, I'm, I'm sure. Sure. Oh, oh, Robert, my doll. Oh, thank you, my dear, my very dears. I, I'm, I'm fine. More tea, Father? Yes, thank you. Was it a good day for you, Robert? Robert, my doll? Oh, a very good day, my dear. And even better now that we're all together here by the fire. Oh, uh, <coughs> by the way, here's Tim Scholar, just like he asked for. <laughs> uh, shall we, ha- we shall none of us forget poor tiny Tim, shall we? Oh, this first parting that there was among us. Oh, we shan't forget him, especially since his spirit insists that his skull stay forever in our house, or else horrible screams will come forth through its clackety teeth and give us no peace for all the days of our lives. We shall always remember! Oh. Scene five. Krampus, something informs me that our parting moment is at hand. I, I know it, but I know not how. Tell me, what man was that whom we saw lying dead? Indeed, the spirit did not stay for anything, but went straight on. A graveyard? Krampus. Bob Cratchit said Tiny, Tiny Tim's grave was in a beautiful spot, green and beneath a yew tree. This surely cannot be that place. Why do you show me this place? I, uh, I think I am beginning to understand. It is here that I shall learn the name of that poor man, the one those people robbed so heartlessly. Is that why you've brought me here, spirit? Krampus points to a stone. Before I draw nearer to that stone to which you point, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of things that will be? Or are they the shadows of things that may be only? Still Krampus points downward to the grave. Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which, if preserved in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, then ends will change. Say it thus with what you show me. (laughs) Krampus is unmovable. Scrooge creeps toward it, trembling as he moves and following his finger, reads upon the stone of the neglected grave his own name. Krampus's finger point from the grave to him and back again, like 25 times. Uh, oh, uh, 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 oh. No, spirit! Oh, no, no, spirit! Hear me! I am not the man I was! I will not be the... I, I will not be the... I will not be the man! I must have been but for this intercourse. Nice. Why show me this if I am past all hope? Good spirit, intercede for me. Tell me that I may yet change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life. Oh, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, present, and future. 
Those spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons they teach. Oh, tell me that I may yet sponge away the writing on this stone. In his agony, Scrooge catches the spectral hand. It seeks to free itself, but he is strong in his entreaty entreaty, (laughs) and detains it. Krampus, stronger yet, repulses him. Scene six. Uh, uh, spirit, just one more chance. Just what? What? Uh, what? I what? <laughs> <laughs> what? What's this? My own room. My bedpost. <laughs> <laughs> I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirit of all three wills thrive within me. Oh, doppelganger, radiant boy, Santa and Krampus, and Christmas time be praised for this. I say it on my knees. Old Yule lads on my knees. I say it. Those shadows of all the things to come, they will be changed. I will change them. I I will. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm merry as a solitary schoolboy. I'm giddy as a drunken man. A merry Christmas to everyone. A happy new year to the whole world. <laughs> hello there. Woo! Uh, hello. <laughs> There's a saucepan the gruel. That's the saucepan the gruel was in. That's where old Jacob Marley's ghost came in. It's all right. It's, it's all true. It's all happened. I don't know what day of the month it is. I don't know how long I've been among the spirits. I don't know anything. Never, never mind. I don't care. <laughs> I'd rather be a baby. <laughs> hello. Hello. Hello there. Hello. Church bells are heard. A small girl wanders into the schoolyard below. You, hello down there. A boy, a girl. I don't want to assume your gender. Who, me, sir? Yes, yes, my lad. What's today, my fine fellow? Today? Why, Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day? I haven't missed it! The spirits did it all in one night. They can do anything like that. Of course they can. Oh, oh hello, my fine fellow! Yeah! Uh, <clears throat> do you know the polterers uh, in the next street but one at the corner? I should hope. I did. Oh, an intelligent boy. A remarkable boy. Oh, you little boy. <laughs> do you know whether they've sold... The prized turkey that was hanging up there. Not the little prized turkey, the big prized turkey. What, the one as big as me? The one they chopped the head off of and it lived for a whole eight months? Ah, what a delightful boy! It's a pleasure to call him. Yes, my buck. It's hanging out now. There it is. Well, go and buy it. Who, me, sir? <laughs> yes, you, sir. Go buy it. Tell them to bring it here so I can have, so I can give them directions where to take it. Come back with the man and I'll give you a shilling. Come back with him in less than five minutes and I'll give you half a crown. Yes, sir. <laughs> Look at him go. I'll, s- <clears throat> I'll send it to Cratchit. You shan't know who sent it. Oh, what a capital joke. Ding. <laughs> Hark, the right. church bells. Ding, 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 oh, yes, that's definitely the church bells. <laughs> oh, there's not a minute to lose. I'll wait for the boy in the courtyard. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I tripped or something. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Scene seven. Scrooge dressed himself all at his best and at last got out into the street. The people were by this time pouring forth. 
Because he had seen them with the ghost of Christmas presents. And walking with his hands behind him, Scrooge regarded everyone with a delighted smile. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you, uh, sir. Season's greetings. The two solicitors appear. Scrooge sees them and makes his way to them. My dear sir, how do you do? I hope you succeeded yesterday. It was very kind of you. Merry Christmas to you, sir. Oh, Mr. Scrooge, isn't it? Yes, yes, that is my name. I fear it may not be pleasant, very pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon. And will you have the goodness to accept this priceless relic? It is a, a mummy's hand. It's cursed, but worth a fortune. Ah, bless me, sir. My dear, Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? If you please, a great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. (laughs) Go ahead, touch it. (laughs) Yes, yes. Do you feel the wind blowing? When you touch it, will you do me that? Will you do me that favour? Uh, my, my dear sir, I don't know what to say to such munificence. Don't say anything. Come and see me. Will you come and see me? <laughs> we will indeed. Thank you. I am much obliged to you. Bless you. As the solicitors stroll off, the young boy enters with the poulterer, who is carrying a huge turkey wrapped in a butcher's paper. Oh. Oh, here is the address. How are you? M- Merry Christmas. Oh, that is a turkey. That bird could never have stood upon his legs. He'd have snapped them off in a short minute like sticks of sealing wax. He should have killed this bird months earlier. Surely God never meant for the creature to suffer past the initial blow. And yet... <laughs> Scrooge laughs with the new joy of life he has found. Enter Fred and his wife. Uncle Ebenezer! Fred! Fred, my boy! Merry Christmas! My dear, Merry Christmas! Uncle, we were just stopping by to invite you to Christmas dinner. Again. We hoped you would change your mind. Yes, yes. Uncle, do come today. We would so love to have you. <laughs> come to dinner? Of course I, I'll come to dinner if you let me in, Fred. Let you in? I, sh- I should say. Oh, Uncle, do come along with us now. We'll be there in five minutes. Scrooge was early at the office the next morning. Oh, he was early there. If only he could be the first there and catch Bob Cratchit coming late. That was the one thing he had set his heart upon. Doorbell is heard. Ding dong. Scrooge (laughs) pretends to work. Paul Cratchit rushes in, then breaks his pace into tiptoe sneak to his desk, cautiously discarding his hat and muffles. He counts. He mounts his stool and begins to work frantically. Uh, hello. What do you mean coming here by at this time of day? Oh, I, 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 I'm sorry, sir. I'm behind my time. You are. Yes, I think you are. Step this way, sir, if you please. Uh, it's only once a year, sir. It shall not be repeated. I, I was making rather merry yesterday. Now I'll tell you what, my friend. I'm not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, and therefore, I'm about to raise your salary. I'm going to give you enough gold coin to throw at the feet of the horrible deathbringer, the Dulham, every single day for a hundred years. This way, Tiny Tim and his resonant skull will outlive all of us. Oh, I should hope so. A Merry Christmas, Bob. A Merrier Christmas, Bob. My good fellow that I've given you in many a year. We'll discuss your affairs this afternoon over a bowl of smoking oh, bishop. Smoking bishop. Oh, yes. <laughs> Make up the fires and 
buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye, Bob Cratchit. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Scrooge. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became a good friend. As good a master. And as good a man as the old city knew. Or any other good old city, town or borough in the good old world. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, <gasps> See you in hell! See you in hell, everyone! Yay! Yay! Yay. Oh, there it is, the unabridged, authentic <laughs> version wow. of a Christmas wow. carol by so much better. Dickens. It's very different. Yeah. Um, really what, explains the what, character more. Yeah, 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 you really get behind it. So, guys, we want to close out this pod like we always do with a tip. <clears throat> A tip yeah. from each and every one of us. Oh. Something you've learned from the the lessons in the in the tale. Maybe something you've learned just by sitting in this room with us. Mm. Mm-hmm. Who sure. would like to go first? Well, I guess I'll go. Go. Go for it. I guess, I guess uh, from reading that, I've um, I, I, I guess it, and I saw I saw you know how cruel I could be, <laughs> in in the character of Scrooge, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. No, Andrew. <clears throat> yeah, no. I guess you know no. I I haven't. I guess it. You've been good. Sure, sure, no. but I, I guess no, no. Listen to me. Hey. Shut, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I guess I feel like this is a tip. I, this is a tip. Well, it's I a guess confession. I don't feel like I have always had the Christmas spirit, and um, and I from 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 learning from learning through this 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 just this really dense story. Yeah, yeah. I um I now realize that you know just it, it's it's good to be nice to people, and and my my tip is is to be nice to. To little, to little boys with yeah. with perfect skulls. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's hard to tell from the outside, though, so you really got to check. Just listen to them. Well, I think, you know, if you, you know... Get in there. If it's yeah, resonant, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. who's next? Who's, who's, who's got one? Come on, Tip. gang. Come on, Jordan. Any old thing. Um, it can be anything. I hadn't considered the feelings of seal boys before mm. really getting to hear yeah. one. And um, I still don't think that they're worth much. Seal boys? Yeah, no. Overrated That's in general. Overrated, hurtful. yeah. Well? If you see one... Hey, I, it's my wildest it. dream no. to meet the real-life Pekoi. Husband. My husband, Pekoi. Legend has it that he has the most beautiful face of a man in the body of and a seal. gorgeous flaxen locks. Like an adult man? He lives yeah, like a sexy a haunted adult party man. ship. A haunted like party like ship. Like a super, super built and what's hot, up? like yeah. neck up, and then neck mm-hmm. down just seal. Hey, what's up? Yeah. He lives on El Peluche, a so haunted ghost party ship. So it's yeah. like 90% it's a whole thing. seal. It's the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Is it no, like seal head up to the sides of the face? Like a person looking out of like a parka? Yes. But good hair too. It's like a cleft chin. good hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most handsomest yeah, yeah. face yeah. in the world, yeah. and the rest is seal. Yeah. And, you, and you're into that? I'd trade places with him anyway. You could do yeah. worse. Robin I mean, and I both think he's the him. perfect man. Yeah. Would you smash? Yeah, of course. Sure. All right. Would smash. Yeah. Now, what's your tip? Uh, birds don't have souls, sure. so you can eat them even if you're vegetarian. Thank you. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, next tip. 
I yeah, I think we gotta as a society look at how we treat kuchisakes. Yeah, um, yeah. The Japanese ghosts with slit um, yeah. faces who hide their mouths in scarves. How do you think we treat them now? Well, I think we set a societal expectation that they need to be a certain degree of pretty, but you true. know, it's it's more about the scarf yeah. that they wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. That's and they're just insecure, I yeah, think. Yeah, they're very yeah. insecure. But, Zach, I don't know if you know this, but if a kuchisaka ona comes up to you and says, am I pretty, you can throw a piece of fruit at her mm-hmm. or candy mm-hmm. or say something like, I'm sorry, I'm late for an appointment, yeah. and she will let you go. Wow. She does not want to inconvenience you. She only wants to either kill you or yeah. make you look just like her. Because if you say, yeah, then she'll really. cut your face open. Yes. Yeah. Also, if you say something uh, like, do you think I'm pretty? It will, it doesn't backfire. It'll backfire for her. She'll just stand there and be like, what? Mm-hmm. And you can walk away. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's really one wrong answer, which is to say... Yes or no. There's a couple wrong answers, but... Wait, yes or no are wrong answers. Yeah. No, she will find you in the night and kill you. Okay. Yes, she will cut your... Cut you. Your you mouth, ear like to ear. Yeah. Because you think she's pretty, so you... Yes. She wants to make you pretty So you pretty must also. want to look like her. Yes. Oh, that no. is a lesson hard learned. Mm-hmm. 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 There was also um, a terrible fear of, of this particular ghost, so much so that... Japanese school children were told to go home in groups so that they wouldn't run into one. Japan has some real like tight recently? ghosts. Yeah, well, how did this Pretty recently. Like, like July or like the, the 1800s? Oh, last year. Probably oh, July. Okay. That's more reason than I was expecting you to say. Yep. Yeah. 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 What's your tip, girl? The only thing I can think of is I... I, I want to come out strong against Z-Quil and say I've been taking it to fall asleep and I... Don't recommend it because I've been having the most terrifying nightmares of my whole life. Ooh. Yeah. And a lot of them have or, been happening when I've, like, woken up to go to the bathroom and then come back and been like, did I see something? I don't know. Oh, I no. And, and you crazy. say Z-Quil. Do you mean NyQuil? No. no. NyQuil Make makes, like, a sleep They, they a cut sleep to the medicine. chase. They figured out why people yeah. use yeah. NyQuil. NyQuil is, um, is the sleep one. Yeah. 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 Z-Quil like, is the agent in NyQuil that makes you sleepy. Yeah. Just but they sell it's like not medicine. Oh, it's not medicine. It's just sleep. No, yeah. They sell it as Z-Quil, and I've been taking it to fall asleep. I really don't recommend it. Have you tried melatonin? Robin, uh, I feel like you're ignoring the obvious answer here. I mean, we just spent uh, the past hour talking about one man's terrifying dream. Maybe it's not the sequel. Maybe you have Maybe you're haunted by ghosts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're building a chain link Mm. by link. Yeah, that's true. I (laughs) will say that um, winter 2003 was my NyQuil winter, and (laughs) I took it every single night for, like, five months. Yeah. And then had to, like, like, go cold turkey off it. It's hard. And it was really difficult for me. And anybody out there struggling with NyQuil addiction. I'm right here. I'm right here. But you're taking the Z's, not the not the full NyQuils. I didn't have the flu for like five months. <laughs> I was I just taking know. straight up drinking NyQuil, just drinking it, that drinking is not it up for your liver. It's but a delicious stomach. Why, why would you avoid not medicine delicious. if you could get it? To this day, what? I do treat myself just, with NyQuil. I don't understand. If I want a good sleep. Like, why not get you're the medicine like that's included included in the NyQuil? Because she's not sick. Can you not think of a single reason why? What? You're <laughs> really missing the point. I Here's my tip. Zequil is the medicine. Everything is, is, the is better, is jollier, is improved if you say it a little bit higher in your register. Is it, orphan is British right accent. Now, orphan yes. I, I suggest it's everybody really start doing that. <laughs> if you're fighting with your spouse, yeah. if you're scolding your kid, mm-hmm. if you're trying to impress a teacher... Just go up in that register. Don't be a do little it Brit. to a teacher that you're maybe, trying to impress. That was maybe. a application. Hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Professor. I need an extension on 
if, um, if the sense. student said that to you, you would leave your own class. Work on me 100%. Sorry, plagiarized. Like really High five, you get a chin. No, but I swear I didn't. You're automatically, uh, you're automatically like a, a sexual assaulter. <laughs> if you say something in a, in <laughs> yeah. a deep, that is an upsetting voice. voice. Yeah. 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 Also, if you say That's come in more than four times in a row. Come in. <laughs> I would also like to say for the record, Nat, you're really good at stuttering. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 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 You came good. out pretty strong. Such straight straight out. I want to say for the record, yeah. thank you all for joining us here. Thank oh, you guys so much. Yeah. We could not have done this by us. ourselves, especially since, uh, you know, it's... Robin and I we are experts in uh, doing really, really, really stupid things and putting a lot of effort into them. So uh, we just want everyone this. to know that I put no effort into this and <laughs> Steph did the whole thing. Well, you good, thanks for throwing me under the bus, man, because <laughs> it's definitely what? an important No, dude, it was great. But wait, Come I on. thought Charles, Charles Dickens wrote it. Oh, Steph yeah, this yeah. Charles Dickens wrote it. What I mean is Steph printed it out. Stephanie's mic. Charles Dickens wrote this. She told us who we play. There's a lot of work. Yeah. She printed it out in most cases. I'm the director. Guys, this has been an amazing year. And thank you all for listening to this silly old podcast about ghosts. We'll be back in the new year with new spooky episodes yeah. on Christmas theme. A little, uh, a little, oh, yeah, tragically. Sad. Um, we could go on. A little tidbit of information. We got some some uh, ladies who who prefer to sleep with ghosts. An episode on that coming up. Oh yeah. Oh. We got hot up. hot sexy. Yeah, We've got a, uh, an episode about literary uh, horror writers mm-hmm. and such, and um, just a shit-tilling ghost to cover. Yeah, so, we got endless ghosts forever. Um, follow us on the places that Robin knows. Yeah, uh, at SpiritPod on Twitter. That's the Spirit Podcast on Instagram. And that's the Spirit Podcast at gmail.com. Send yeah. us all your ghost stories. Please, God, please. Look up all these guys' stuff. You guys want to plug anything? Yeah, you can see Zach performing with women and men at uh, UCB Theater Hell's Kitchen on uh, the weekend. <laughs> cool. That's almost true. Okay. It'd be uh, the East Village Theater oh, at I'm 7 sorry. o'clock on Saturdays. And you can see Nat here uh, hosting his variety show. <laughs> Nat Townsend's uh, Downtown Variety Hour. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's on Mondays? Every first Monday of every, every month. month. First Monday of every month. At the very same uh, Upper Citizens Brigade Theater East, East Village, Village in Manhattan, New York. Don't go to Hell's Kitchen. I've never been. Jordan, where can we see you? Just hanging out at home? Who wants to uh, be my manager? Uh, Jordan (laughs) Jordan can be heard on an upcoming episode of my podcast, uh, the Rate and Subscribe podcast. Great. Um, I'm booking him right now. Jordan, you want to do my podcast? Sure. Cool. We've mentioned Nat's podcast before. Thank you. You've been very kind. Very kind. Jordan, what about you, dude? Oh, oh, hey, oh. Um, what? <laughs> well, sounds like Jordan's can, getting another gig. I, I'm Jordan's manager. Though, uh, so. Jordan can also be seen uh, playing um, uh, opposite his twin brother in the true TV show no. uh, Night Late. Pop oh, I'm TV. sorry, Pop TV. Pop, Pop TV. TV. Pop TV uh, show uh, Nightcap. Yeah. Nightcap. Second season. Nightcap. Second season. Mazel. 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 Andy, what do you got? Uh, my OK Cupid uh, <laughs> name is 419JK420. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking to put myself out there. It used to be season six of Lost. Yeah, I got too many angry yeah. messages about that. <laughs> you should have known going into that. Well, that was a, I mean, it was a, it was a really choice. funny yeah. joke. It was a yeah. jokey season six. Attract the right person. It was a no, really, I know, I mean, yeah. it just seems like funny. Shooting yourself in the it foot. It was a funny really Do you want anyone to listen to anything? Listen to Andrew talk at Andrew Futral on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I say a lot of you really, know, really in-your-face stuff. Like, it's no, really good. Like, Hot takes. No, no, no. Holds are barred, and I'm just, I'm just like off the 
search mm-hmm. on the Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. So search for my name, then my last name at Twitter. My last name <laughs> was written somewhere. Guys, we thank you so much. We love you so love much, you much. And we will see you, see you in hell. hell. Love you. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.